I'll figure this out sooner or later. Um, I want to begin a, my Christmas morning sermon by telling uh, the story of one of the scariest moments of my life. Uh, seems like a good Christmassy type thing to do. Um, but it was one of the moments where I've been the most afraid ever. Uh, I was in high school. I don't remember the exact year. I think it was junior or senior year. Um, and uh, it was late at night. I was laying in my bed, and my bedroom was on the second floor of my parents' home. And uh, it kind of had a unique layout. So we had, like, I think the technical term would be like a dormer window. So there's like a window seat, but you could, like, climb out the window onto the roof because the the roof kind of shaped around it a little bit. And so I'm laying in my bed. I don't know what time it was, but it's dark, dark. We lived, um, my, my parents built a house in, some, in like wooded land. So we're out away from city. There's nobody around. We live in kind of some, some wooded land there. And I hear this noise um, that sounded like it was pretty close. So I roll over my bed and in the outline of my window, I can see a face just a silhouette of a face, somebody laying on the roof looking in my second floor bedroom window. Um, and I froze. Um, it's the most terrifying mo- experience I, I ever, I mean, I've been in a car accident, I've had some other stuff happen, but at this, at this point, like, I'd never experienced just terror in the way that I did in that moment. Um, it was dark, I heard a noise, I looked, and there was somebody that I didn't know, I couldn't identify, I couldn't understand, looking in my window in the middle of our wooded land here, right? Far from light or help or whatever. Um, I laid there frozen for what felt like forever. I didn't know how to respond to this. I was just hoping that maybe, <laughs> I don't know, like thoughts weren't happening. It was just don't move, right? Um, and I laid there what felt like forever. And eventually... Um, you kind of got tired of being afraid. I don't know if that makes sense, but it was just one of those things that's like, well, this person isn't going to resolve the situation, so I need to figure out what I'm going to do, which took a while for me to convince myself um, what my next step was. My bed was on one side of the room. The window was on completely the other side of the room. It was a pretty long bedroom. Um, My closet was close by. I could maybe go for the closet light or my, my bedroom door was kind of on another wall, so kind of halfway between that window and there. So I was just trying to figure out what my move was, but I knew that I was going to have to make a move. <clears throat> Eventually, I got up enough, whatever, frustration, courage, desperation. Like, I'm just going to turn the light on. And so I roll out of bed and flip on my bedroom light. And uh, there in the window, my sister's cat turns around and looks at me like I was an idiot. Um, it was just the cat had hopped up in the window, and what I thought was a head was actually the, just the silhouette of my cat looking out, out the window. Um, but it was, it was literally the most terrifying moment of my life. But because of the darkness, because of the lack of clarity, because I couldn't understand, because I couldn't see what actually was there, my mind interpreted it a particular way. Because of the darkness, I was misinformed. And I was terrified, and I was afraid, and I didn't know what to do. This eight-pound tabby cat scared me in a way that nothing else ever has before, because of darkness. In our scripture that I'm going to read here in a moment, from the passage of Isaiah, he mentions people who walk in darkness. Um, 
And that's going to be kind of the, the introductory theme as we begin walking in darkness. And so it, uh, I'm not sure if you've had a similar experience, obviously not scared to death by a tabby cat, but an experience where, where darkness has seemed to overwhelm. And you, as, so as we read through this and you hear Isaiah talk just about walking in darkness, think about what it would be like to be in complete darkness. Right? So you can join me, uh, Isaiah 9. Um, Verses 2 through 7, uh, it'll be on the, the screen uh, if you want to follow along there. Isaiah 9 says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you with, as with joy in the harvest, as people exult with dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tra tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Uh, pray with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would gather our minds, that they may be one with you. Open our ears that they may hear your word. Soften our hearts that they may receive your wisdom. Speak to us for we, your servants, are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Isaiah starts this well-known passage of scripture, this one that we read pretty much every Christmas. It's familiar, the names of, of the coming one, right? The wonderful counselor, um, the, the son who's gonna bear authority, his kingdom will never end, right? This familiar, this text. Isaiah begins it by saying, the people who walked in darkness. Now, we think our tendency in our, our day and age is to think of darkness equaling evil, right? Um, if you were a, 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 a literature person and know the genres, we're talking like romanticism, not like mushy mushy romanticism but like but like good versus evil light versus dark right like we're very much shaped by that mentality um it's a very modern and a very western civilization concept of light and dark good and evil so for example um this is uh, susie's got her work cut out I'm, i i went all in on slides this week there's a bajillion slides um but if you want to throw the, the first slide up there so we have um the force awakens right uh Brian, welcome. It's good to see you at church. Um, thought I'd th throw some Star Wars up in two weeks in a row. But here's like a perfect image, right? You've got Ray, whatever her last name is, uh, on the light side, and then Kylo uh, Ren on the dark, right? And good is light, and dark is evil. Like, I mean, it's just, this is an advertisement for a, a video game, right? Like, but it's so powerful, the imagery. Um, it's just obvious who's, who's good and who is evil, right? Uh, you can go to the next slide um, to show that this isn't a recent thing. We have a scene from The Lion King, right? And what's happening in this story is, is the, the current king, Lion, is explaining to his little cub, Lion, 
uh, about everything in the light is their, their, their kingdom, where things are good, um, it's safe, everything is as it should be. And the question that pops up from the little cub is, well, what is that dark place over there? And he says, we don't go there. That is outside of the realm of our kingdom. That's outside the realm of our control. But the shadow, the darkness equals bad, evil, threat, danger. And this is a very, like I said, when I say modern, I mean within the last 500 years. I know that doesn't feel recent, but in the light of, of all of civilization, of all of humanity, um, this understanding of light being good and darkness being evil, it's relatively recent. But the ancient Jewish people understood darkness differently. It meant something different to them. And if you think about who these people were, you could understand why. So going back 2,000, 3,000 years, when they write about darkness, they mean something more nuanced than just pure evil, right? So think of them as a civilization that grew out of uh, being nomadic shepherds, right? Their, their formative experience, their, their life experience was living in small villages or even mobile communities. You know, they follow the herds. They, they would move to where the, the animals could get food and water, um, and they were a bit nomadic. These people, their understanding of light and darkness, especially darkness, is shaped by being outside in the darkness at night, before electricity, before street lamps, before flashlights, before any of that. Like, darkness just meant there wasn't light. And so, in, as you read through the Bible, as you read through the, the texts in the Old Testament and the New Testament, when we read darkness, our mind says, oh, there's something evil going on here. But in their mind, it meant something more different. Um, so for them, a culture shaped by being these nomadic shepherds, when they hear the this, this saying, people walking in darkness, what it means is literally the inability to see what's around you. Right? Have you ever gone walking at night? Have you ever been out in a unlit place at night, even if it's just like walking from, um, you know, your work to your car <laughs> in the darkness sometimes, like that can be uh, a different experience. It might have different sensations than you're used to. Um, but the idea is that you're unable to see what's around you. Um, it creates mystery, it creates confusion, things that are unknown or undefined, right? So darkness introduces mystery, into the reality around us, right? Um, confusion. Now, there might be evil in the darkness, right? That noise that you heard over there, it might be somebody breaking into your house or it might be a cat. Um, you don't know. Like, it could be evil when you're walking in the woods in the dark. You might hear a sound over there and it could be something that's going to get you or it could be a squirrel just trying to get away from you. There might be evil in the darkness, or maybe you're just, you're not certain of your location. It might be a path that you've walked on a, a bunch of times, but in the darkness, the things that you use for confirmation that you're on the right path are, are hidden from you. You can't see them. You're not as certain about your location or your surroundings. Even things that seem familiar. Have you ever gone past something in the dark that you're used to seeing in the light? And you're like, oh, that looks a lot different now. Or I wouldn't have recognized this if it had not been for... Um, something else. But the darkness, it, it disorients, it hides, it obscures, it distorts what's in front of us, right? Things that are present remain unseen. Things we are 
are looking at, they're hard to identify. Um, things that exist, you may not even be able to see. So that's when, when we read about darkness in the, in the Bible, that's what they're talking about. It's this, this distortion, confusion. Things don't appear as they are. There's uncertainty about what we see and what we're experiencing. Things are not clear. Darkness protects those who conspire. Hidden conversations and plans are made in darkness. In the ancient world, privacy was not a common thing. Families lived in homes together. Business was done in community. There wasn't an expectation of privacy. And so conversations that happened off the side or in darkness were usually ones that were one, you know, people didn't want uh, known. Darkness isn't necessarily evil or bad. So when Isaiah says people have been walking in darkness, it doesn't mean that they're just up to their necks and evil. It's just evil everywhere. It's bad everywhere. But rather, he's saying they've been walking in confusion. They've been walking in in distorted reality. They've been walking and things have been hidden from them. They've been walking and there's realities that they can't see. There's mystery. There's wonder. There's possibility. But there's also danger confusion, distortion, right? So, I mean, it's, it's, we see this when we start learning and paying attention to that, that type of understanding of darkness, we see that. So Genesis 1, you know, it, we, we see that in the beginning, darkness covered, right? Well, darkness and there's chaos and it was, wasn't defined and then God created order and brought light, right? So there's this connection between confusion, chaos, unorganization, distortion, and, and darkness, And so when Isaiah says these people who were walking in darkness, it's people who couldn't see and understand everything that was going on around them. People who felt lost, even in familiar settings. People who couldn't find a path forward. People who were confused. People who were unsure of what to do in their present circumstances. People who couldn't identify the goodness nor the evil present because both were hidden in the darkness. People who walked in darkness, bumped into things, tripped on things, unsure if they were headed on the right path in the right direction or not. People overwhelmed by the confusion and chaos that darkness brings. Again, as we, t- we talked about when we introduced the sermon series, Isaiah was written during a time where Israel and Judah, the nations, were under threat from enemy forces. Uh, it results in exile. They end up losing their, their land, their home, the temple, their identity to some extent. And so Isaiah is saying people who have been walking in darkness, who, who don't know the path forward, who don't understand what's going on around them, they walk in that darkness. And so Isaiah was talking about God's people who lived over 2,000 years ago and the confusion and the distortion and just the chaos of their lives. But could he be talking about us today? Maybe you feel like you've been walking in darkness at times. Um, 2022 felt like a year in which I was walking in darkness. Uncertainty, confusion, distorted views of reality, despair, at times not seeing the path forward. For me personally, the year started like literally January 1st last year with family members having COVID. Nothing too serious, but it led to other situations in which members of my family really struggled, um, including my children. 
and I didn't know how to help. You want to talk about walking in darkness, try being a parent watching your child, trying their hardest, yet still struggling, and not knowing how to help them. Trying your hardest, but seeing things only get worse. Everyone doing the best they can do and still being confused and not understand what's going on. Wondering what you should do, not being able to see what God is doing in this situation, the the path, the way forward for me as being a successful father, husband, and pastor felt hidden from me. The result of my walking in the darkness was me becoming increasingly unhealthy. My physical, emotional, spiritual health was not where it needed to be. I found myself feeling overwhelmed by darkness. And so in an effort to try and right the, the, the ship to to kind of get myself back on track. I joined a uh, softball team to get some exercise, to hang out with some friends, make some new friends, and have fun doing something I loved. Felt like that was a good decision. Jessica supported me. She said, yeah, you need to get out, have some fun, do some things you enjoy. That lasted two innings before I dislocated my shoulder, resulting in two fractured bones and a bunch of torn stuff within the joint itself. Many of you know I lost the actual use of my left arm for about two months and experienced pain unlike anything I had felt before. Um, I'm a bit of a private person, so I didn't make a huge deal about this, but it had a huge impact on me. I didn't know what I should be doing. Doctors didn't seem to know what to do for a while. It was painful, it was frustrating and scary. And then there was the pain of seeing the bills from the doctors and the physical therapists. And that was a whole nother level of (laughs) scariness. I was walking in darkness. And then over the summer and into the fall, we lost some people that I cared about deeply. Um, There were some major car repairs that were, again, scary to the checkbook. A church merger in which I had never been the senior pastor of a church doing that before, so as much as I believe God was leading us through that, there was a lot of uncertainty and unanswered questions. Um, Issues within the family and in the church, it's safe to say that I felt like I was walking in darkness. Not overwhelmed by evil, not that bad people were out to get me, but just not being able to see with clarity. Not being able to look around and go, oh, this is what God is doing Maybe you can relate. Maybe you've asked yourself, what is my next step? What path am I actually on? Where is God? What is God doing? Something is probably going on here. I hear noise. I see activity, but I can't focus on it. I can't understand. I can't comprehend what is going on. This is confusing. This is unclear. It's undefined. Is this good activity? Is this bad activity? Is this, is this trouble or is this God bringing blessing? Maybe you have felt like you've walked in darkness. The Christmas text from Isaiah that we read says that those who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The light has shined on those living in darkness. Now, I I don't know about you and what you've experienced, but I needed that light. At times this year, I was desperate for that light. 
I needed that light to show the path forward, even if it was only the next step or two. I needed a light to bring clarity to some of the situations I was in because the things just weren't making sense. I needed a light to help me understand that God was present and to see more clearly what God was doing because the answers I was coming up with weren't working. Isaiah says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. There's a light shining in the present darkness. That is what Christmas is, and it should be celebrated with joy and with gratitude. For Christians, we read this passage of Isaiah and understand that the light has come in the person of Jesus. The word that lights up our paths, that brings illumination, that provides clarity on the presence and the work of God in our lives, the word that reveals that which is hidden and concealed, the the light that brings definition and understanding and revelation into our circumstances is Jesus. Jesus is this great light that those walking in the darkness are now seeing. It's not only the light that we see, but it is the light through which we can see everything else. So what does it mean that Jesus is the light who has come into the world? How do we experience this light? And how does this light actually help us? Well, as a pastor... It probably doesn't surprise you that my go-to answer to that question is that we can experience the light of Jesus as part of a community of faith. As part of the church, as part of a gathered body of Christians, of believers who have pledged their allegiance to Jesus, you can experience this light. Over the course of this year, so this, this Sunday is not only Christmas, it's the last Sunday in 2022. It doesn't happen where it lines up that way very often. There's usually a Sunday in between, but this is the last Sunday of 2022. And as I was thinking about that and thinking about how do we experience the light of Jesus, I thought I would just take a moment to walk us through how we as a church this year could have possibly experienced the light. And so we started this year, if if you were part of our church in January... February, you were part of the Incarnation Sermon Series. The theme of that series back almost a year ago was the Word became flesh in Jesus so that the Word would become flesh in us. Hopefully you can remember me saying that because I said it every week a lot. But in that, we could experience the light of Christ as we open up to God's transformational work in our lives. We can experience the light, the, the, the revealing light, the defining light, the ordering light of Christ as God does work in our lives. After Epiphany comes the season of Lent, and we partnered uh, with, with Pastor Will and Hope Church at that point and focused on spiritual practices. I hope you remember that. The idea, the theme behind that was that spiritual practices equip us to experience new life through Jesus. <clears throat> The idea is that we could experience the light of Christ as we practice disciplines that make us more aware of God's presence. If you feel like you're walking in darkness, then these spiritual disciplines that we talked about then can give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear, can reveal us, tune our eyes to the light of Christ in our lives. From Lent, 
we went into Easter and the season after Easter and we talked about um, being like Jesus. The theme for this meant was the idea that being holy means being like Jesus. Now, there's a lot of different things we think about when we say being holy, but we defined it as being like Jesus. And through holiness, through Christ-likeness, we can experience the light of Christ as we listen to Jesus as our teacher. If you want to know what God says in any given situation, you want to know what God wants you to do, how do you respond to certain things, there's a good chance that Jesus, in the words that were captured in the Gospels, teaches us how to live and love according to the ways of God. So let Jesus be our teacher and grow to be more like him. And you can experience this light in the darkness. After we wrapped up the Like Jesus series, we moved into our first summer sermon series called Meals with Jesus. If you were here for that, you would remember that I took all the chairs out of here and put round tables throughout the whole thing. Um, Set it up to be more like a picnic uh, gathering, sat around tables. The idea behind that series those messages, that time of worship, was that the kingdom of God is not established through power or defeating one's enemies, but through the love of neighbor as lived out through something as simple as a shared meal. And so we could experience, we focused on, learned how, practiced experiencing the light of Christ as we shared life together in community. After that short summer series, we moved to the second summer series called Corners of the field. The theme behind that was the idea that faith calls us to leave room and to leave resources for others as a part of our lives, right? And so you can experience the light of Christ, you can experience light in the darkness, you can experience revelation, you can experience God's presence with you as we live lives shaped by the grace of God and a compassionate character that Jesus allows us to live out. And then from there, the end of August, beginning of September, we started a sermon series called On the Job Training. It was a discipleship series in which we um, looked at that, the idea that to be a disciple of Jesus means to be an apprentice of Jesus. Not just to know things about him, learn information about him, but learning and practicing the way of Jesus. And the idea was that we could experience the light of Christ as we better understand the work and mission of Jesus because he is teaching us what to do and he is teaching us how to do it. Think of all the people that lived before Jesus showed up. Think of all the people that tried to follow God, who tried to know what God was like before Jesus showed up. We have Jesus to look at. Say, that's what God looks like. You want to know what God thinks about something, Jesus is teaching us about it. You want to know what God wants his people to live like, well, just follow the teachings of Jesus. Jesus is teaching us how to live the way that God would have us to live. And then as that wrapped up just a few weeks ago, we started our Advent series asking the question, what are we waiting for? The idea behind that was the idea that God's people aren't waiting or trying to escape this world. But rather, we are desperately wanting God to heal it. 
experience the light of Christ as it shines where we are here and now, and that light brings healing and salvation and allows us to be a part of God's new creation. And so that's the journey we've been on together as a family of God, as the church, as the community of believers in this location. That's how me as, as pastor has tried to organize our, our gathered time together with the help of Pastor Hannah leading us in worship and, and since the merger, Will, and, and with Tabitha preaching and teaching and doing work at the daycare and, the, and all the staff. That's what we've been trying to help uh, equip you to see and experience the light of Christ as you walk in a dark world. How do we experience the light of Jesus? This world seems pretty dark right now. Sometimes it's hard to see light anywhere. And I think part of that is because we think God has to show up in either the most impressive ways, the most miraculous ways. Well, that was a God thing, right? It was just the most amazing thing that's ever happened. There's no explanation for it. It's the most supernatural miracle in the history of supernatural miracles, right? That's how God shows up. Or I've got to be locked away in a quiet room like a monk in a monastery, focused on nothing else. And in those moments, God will whisper, show up in a, in a way that I might miss if I'm not paying careful attention. And while God can work on either end of those extremes, Pastor Hannah reminded us last week that God is with us in the ordinary things. And this week, I want to remind you that God is with us when we gather and live together. And that's why for this year, I've just kind of leaned into this idea, and this, you're going to continue to see this. The light of Christ shows up, and I, I want to say that it shows up as we love God through worship, as we love others through Christian connection, through Christian fellowship, and life shared together. And the light shows up as we serve the world in Christian service. This year, we have love God through worship, if you want to put the slide up, just a snapshot, right? This is loving God. You want to say, oh, pastor's got this grand mission for us. He wants us to love God. Here we are loving God through worship, right? Worshiping through song, singing a song that helps you connect with God or declares the truth you needed to hear. Hopefully, for some of us, you experience the light of Christ in worship through song. Uh, another way is worship through scripture reading, Hearing and reading scripture together announces words of comfort, truth, encouragement, correction, wisdom, and good news. Hopefully, you have started to experience scripture as a light. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto your path. I hope you are starting to experience that. Scripture is a priority for us in our gathered time. Worship through scripture reading. Another one is worship through prayer. Praying together or as you come to these prayer altars and pray by yourself with a pastor or someone from the congregation, right? Prayer is a conversation with God and hopefully you can experience the light of Christ, the, the light of God's presence with us, clarity and um, peace that comes through a time of prayer. This year we experienced worship through the sacrament of baptism and communion Here's just a few weeks ago, um, Pastor Tabitha baptizing uh, a child from the daycare center. Um, 
sacraments are physical acts in which God's grace is visible. What you're seeing in this picture is a moment of God's grace reaching out of the spiritual realm, if you will, and touching the physical, tangible world. They overlap, they intertwine, and in this moment we can see the light of Christ breaking through into dark places. Participating in worship allows us to experience the light that has come. So that you can experience the light of Christ through worship, through loving God. You can experience the light of Christ through connection, Christian fellowship, through loving others. And so, um, Susie, if you want to throw the next slide up there, um, this is just a snapshot of a Kids Connect group. This was before they all kind of got in there. I didn't have any recent, recent photos. The, the group is growing. Um, they gather together on Wednesday nights, and they do all kinds of fun things that I'm kind of envious of. Um, they seem to be really enjoying their small group time. Um, they are connecting in Christian fellowship, learning what it means to be the church, to live as brothers and sisters gathered around faith in Christ. Um, if you want to put the next slide up, what is Christian fellowship without food, right? Like, uh, we, a while back, we started a, a Sunday night young adults group at, at the parsonage, the pastor's home, and uh, we didn't specifically say it had anything to do with food, uh, but people just brought food anyways. Like, it's instinctually built into our DNA. The first few months, we had so much, uh, people have backed off now because I think we all our blood sugars at risk, but like every week we just had so much stuff. People would just instinctively bring food. It's like we know that sharing food around a table, sharing a meal, sharing a snack, sharing just a time of fellowship, you can experience something special. We learn to love others and connect in Christian fellowship, and the light of Christ is seen through that. And then you can see the light of Christ. You can experience it even in the dark world that's around us, even in the place that seems like the world's turned upside down and crazy, you can experience through serving that same dark world. Not serving it as it's your master, but serving it as maybe a gardener cares for his garden. Right? Serving the world through Christian service. Here's an uh, <clears throat> image of uh, the fall festival in which volunteers from our church served the families in the community, initially, primarily, the daycare families, um, but uh, serving families in the community in this fall festival. The question for me as pastor wasn't how many people came to receive or to play games. The question for me was how many of our church people volunteered? <laughs> how much was this an act of us serving our community and the families in it? And then another slide is us serving our community through packing these boxes for holiday meals through His Hands Compassionate Ministry. Um, in these glimpses, these snapshots, these quick slides, I hope you can see the light that has come. Sure, there is darkness, and sure, we have all walked in it, but it's in these things that we are oriented and we can see what God is up to. And so the invitation this Christmas morning is to experience the light of Christ as it shines where we are here and now. It's healing and saving us as a part of God's new creation. And maybe you are like me, desperate for this light to shine in dark places. The best light I know is the light of Jesus. 
And the only way I know to experience it is to participate in the life of a faith community. It's like a small fire. You feel the warmth the closer you get to it. Right? The small fire, the closer you get to it, the better you can feel the warmth of it. And, and so we sing songs together, we pray together, we pack boxes of food together, we give them away together, we share meals together, we read scripture together, we participate in one another's lives. The church, the people of God, is not a social gathering place for religious people. It's a community gathered around this light of Jesus for people who are, in the words of Isaiah, tired of walking in darkness. We don't need more entertainment, more programs, more information. We do need the experience of the light of Jesus. The world doesn't need the church to be anything other than what God intended it to be, a community of people in which the light of Jesus is present and can be experienced. Long time ago, a man named Isaiah told people that were worn down from walking in darkness that a light was coming. God promised it would happen and even though we walk around surrounded by darkness, there is a light from God. And that light, it heals, it saves, it rescues, it shines in even the darkest of places. And that light is holy and divine. It is God himself. And so we celebrate that today because that light has come. We celebrate because those who have walked in darkness can see this great light. We celebrate that today because God is with us and God is the light that overcomes the darkness. God is with us. He is here, Emmanuel, and so that is what Christmas means. Christmas is more than Jesus' birthday. It's a celebration and acknowledgement of a light that shines in the darkest of places. And so as I conclude my message this morning, as we get prepared to go back out into whatever <laughs> awaits us, who knows, the weather might have changed by the time we get out the door. Um, but as we prepare to kind of return to our, our homes and get on back with our holiday celebrations and all of that, I wanted us to take a moment to reflect. I'm going to pray, but uh, I'm going to invite you with that while I'm praying just to ask yourself, how have you seen the light in this past year? Think about it. Take, take some time. There, in, in this prayer, there's going to be a, a moment of silence, and that's not just to make you feel awkward um, or make you feel like I forgot what I'm supposed to be saying, um, but it's to allow you to think about, for God to bring to mind the light that you have experienced in these past few months. So we invite you to uh, enter into a posture of prayer with me. And let God reveal to you the light that shines in your life. Pray with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, people grow weary of walking in darkness. Confusion, chaos, uncertainty, distorted realities, things hidden from us, it all grows so wearisome. We grow tired of walking in darkness. But the good news 
that we continue to hear week in and week out as we participate in the life of the church is that Christ has come. We celebrate today that Christ is that light that shines even in the darkest of places. And so even though we grow weary of walking in dark, you are inviting us to walk in the light instead, to follow the paths that that Jesus lights for us, to allow his light to show us who you are, for us to call what is good the same thing that you call is good, to bring clarity and peace into a world that is just filled with darkness, confusion, and conflict. And so in this moment, I'm going to I'm going to stop talking for a moment, and God, I'm going to ask that you would bring to uh, our minds ways in which we've experienced the light of Christ. I'm just going to wait for one minute. It's going to feel like an eternity for some. But God, I ask that you would speak in that minute. Father, speak to our hearts and to our minds. Father, thank you for meeting us here today. Pray that your light would continue to shine, that you would give us the eyes to see it more clearly, and that you would allow us to let that light um, uh, give us the eyes to see what's going on around us. So not only do we see the light, but we can see better because of the light that the fact that your son came changed everything. Father, we thank you and we love you. Amen. Amen. Um, I, I don't have a service order for me. Hannah, we, uh, she's back there. There's no song, it's just, right, I just want to make sure. Um, uh, I'm going to invite you to stand. Um, I'm going to speak a benediction, a blessing over you. Um, <clears throat> Christmas is a big deal. The world will tell us why it's a big deal. Um, but it's a big deal because Christ has come and is the light of the world. So let me speak this word of blessing over us as we go out into the world as children who have seen the light. The child is born, our God has come amongst us. Let the whole earth rejoice 
and let us leave the manger and return to our daily routines, knowing now that we have seen the Lord, glorifying and praising God for all that we have seen and all that we have heard. Our God is now here. Go forth with full confidence and with joy that you have seen the Messiah. Our God is now here. Go forth to spread the good news wherever you go, sharing God's love and promise with all who you meet. Go into the world to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, release the prisoner, rebuild the nations, bring peace amongst people, and make music in every heart. For our God is now here. And it is in the name of our God we cry out with the angels in the heavens and with the shepherds in the fields. Our God is now here. Emmanuel. Amen and amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. You're dismissed. <laughs>